Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, Adrian Guest, and we are back again for another edition of our weekly roundup series. This is weekly roundup number six. Today is August 6th, 2022, and we say this every show, but we really mean it this time. We have a ton of news. Um, We're going to talk about uh, Brittany Griner. We're going to talk about um, recent abortion news. So make sure you buckle in. It's going to be a long show, but it's going to be a good show. We got a lot of big news to get to. So Adrian, let's go ahead and jump into it with our first segment here, which is our discussion segment. We're going to go up in Georgia, and that is where we're going to start, where now that Georgia has implemented a six-week ban on abortion, the Georgia Department of Revenue is saying that residents could claim embryos as dependents on their tax returns. And this is according to CBS News. The agency said as of July 20, any unborn child with a detectable human heartbeat is eligible for the state's individual income tax de- dependency exemption. So that this means that Georgia residents could receive a $3,000 per dependent personal exemption if medical records are submitted for each embryo. But of course, this doesn't you know come without issues and complications. And one of those complications could be that uh, the new guidelines could cause complications in the cases of miscarriages because under the federal tax code, a child must be born to be claimed on a parent's tax filing. So, Adrian, I'm all for this change. You know, as we have this uh, conversation around family planning and, and having children and abortion and uh, just the whole conversation around that oftentimes is not about what happens when the child is born or what happens after the child is born. I would agree with this this move here, even though the child isn't here. I think they absolutely should be able to claim, you know, uh, an embryo, I guess, that has a heartbeat on their taxes. Um, this does not mean <laughs> person necessarily, but I think, <laughs> yes, you know, because once that child is is forming within the womb, you have to go and then there are a lot of expenses that come along with having a child. And we are not, um, could be, we could be doing a lot more to support mothers once the, the pregnancy has, has taken on and they're going through the process. Um, it can't be simply, we think you should have it. And we're not going to assist you in any way possible in making this a smooth, um, you know, birthing uh, journey for the mother. And so why not? You know, even now in the cases of a miscarriage, that is very complicated. I don't know where that would fall as far as, you know, how far into the, you know, the pregnancy. Do you allow that? Or, you know, that's it can get very muddy there. But I think overall, I like the approach and the in the idea and the reason they're doing this is because. We need to help, you know, expecting mothers. And and I think, too, they want to give people a reason to keep the child. You know, if, you, if you're getting a $3,000 tax credit, could that maybe help you in, in changing your, your mind when it comes to abortion? And that last point you said is what I always key in on whenever I think about abortion um, is what can we do to incentivize um expecting mothers to have their children. Uh, if you want to stop abortions, you, you don't just ban them like we're doing in our country. You, you know, you, you, you better the systems to where mothers don't have to interact with abortion clinics and things like that. If they don't, you know, they don't have to even think about it because if I have the child, I can claim it on my taxes. 
uh, or rather I can just claim, you know, the child on my taxes. Uh, you know, there's, if I have the child, maybe there could be even some sort of tax uh, uh, rebate that you get. I, I like I said, I, I would take it a step further and do more with this sort of law because I would really be trying to do things to incentivize moms to not have abortions uh, because that's what it's all about. I mean, I think, you know, what everyone's trying to do is just trying to, um, you know, have more life. And I'm for that. I get that some moms may not need to be the one to raise that child. Maybe there needs to be adoption or foster care or whatever the case might be. But I think everyone's trying to battle against the whole idea that we shouldn't be having abortions. And you can debate that if you want to. That's more of an issue of your morality and what, you know, your God says about that and all that kind of stuff. But um, what we, you know, what's an easier conversation to have is how to stop people from having abortions um, through different incentives, through different, you know, uh, social safety nets and different things that we can do to make it easier for moms. Because, you know, I grew up with a single parent mom. I mean, she had her first child when she was 16. Uh, It could have been way easier to, you know, go through the abortion process than to have the child when you think about, the physical, mental, emotional, financial toll of having a child on someone who's 16, still a child themselves, um, I can understand. So I think it's great. You know, I'm still in Atlanta, at, you know, for this recording listeners. So, you know, if I saw a, a Georgia legislature, I would give them a thumbs up for what they're doing. But um I haven't seen any. I've been seeing a lot of Stacey Abrams signs, and I should have gone to Ebenezer Baptist Church to see if uh, Raphael Warnock would be there. Um, I know he's campaigning, so I assume he's probably somewhere around here, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Listeners, let us know what you think about what's happening in Georgia here, if you think that you should be able to put your embryo on your tax return. um, Let us know. Another little story here. This was interesting, Devin. Um, I don't know if this is going to help them. It could. Who knows? But Democratic strategists had their dreams come true this week in Michigan, where John Gibbs, a black Republican and former Trump official who thinks the 2020 election was rigged and stolen because of massive voter fraud, he beat incumbent Representative Peter Meyer in the GOP primary race for the 3rd Congressional District. Meyer is an Iraqi war vet whose family is a big name in Michigan, was one of only 10 Republicans to vote to impeach Trump. And maybe that's why uh, Meyer is no longer there. I don't know. Gibbs, who touted Trump's support for his candidacy and thanked the former president and his former boss, Ben Carson, another name I don't really like, will face Democratic nominee and immigration attorney Hillary Skolton in November. The pro-insurrectionist black Republican believes in an America first policy, wants an audit for the 2020 election, opposes abortion and environmental regulation, and supports national permitless concealed carry of firearms at the bare minimum. The race in the newly redistricted seat is expected to be close, with the Cook political report now saying the competitive race leans Democratic. And Lord, hope Democratic person comes through uh, because we don't need another Trump loyalist around Capitol Hill. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about environmental racism and you got a black guy that's don't even like environmental <laughs> regulation. I'm just like... Come on. And and this whole we need to have nationwide permitless concealed carry of firearms. Like, what are you, what are you talking about, dude? Come on. Like, 
so you can just be walking around with a gun, no permit. I, he, this guy probably don't even care if you have a background check. All <clears throat> <laughs> the extreme. <laughs> he said that's the bare minimum, though. You know, that's well, that's in our to me in my head. That's the you know that's the far, 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 far extreme. You know, perfect world that some of those on the right would love to see happen. Just like, you know, they think Democrats want to see open borders and uh, abortion clinics on every corner. But no, I think could it backfire on Democrats? Possibly. Is it likely? I don't think so, because I I think what's happening as we're seeing across the country, we talked about it last show, which is that the polls are changing in the favor of Democrats. You're starting to see issues like abortion pop up that's friendly for Democrats. That's something they want to be talking about. They don't want to be talking about inflation. We just got a a tremendous jobs report that came out, over 500,000 jobs added in July. That's not what you want to see as a Republican candidate because you want to be talking about inflation, not, oh, we just added over five, you know, half a million jobs in one month. The economy seems to get better. Gas prices are continuing to go down. So I don't, if this continues like this, they could put up whoever they want to. Um, and you add in, I'm sorry, I forgot the, you know, the January 6th committee. And now you're talking about yeah. Donald Trump partic- potentially being, you know, and he's being investigated. His his team is in, co- in contact with the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. That is festering as well. So this is not an environment right now where somebody like this candidate in uh, in in Michigan this is not the environment you want them running in. You don't want someone who says the 2020 election should should be audited and January 6th was okay because everything that's playing right now in the news is counteracting that. And people are saying, listen, we're tired of the whole election talk. We're tired of the January 6th commission. Trump was wrong for what he did. And to me, if you're going to put somebody out there who's like, yes, what you know, Donald Trump is the end all be all, I think that's the wrong message going into November where people are not, they, they're just, I think they're just tired of Donald Trump and the whole election. I race. hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I pray that you're right. And I believe, I believe you are because I think that even if you look at polls that talks about, do you want to see a, a, a Trump, you know, run in 2024? And most people say no, no. like 75% or so of Republicans, just like 75% or so of Democrats don't want Biden. It's, uh, people don't want that. And I'm right. so thankful um, that the committee has been able to carry out their work um, in, a, in a, a way that's obviously it's more partisan, being that it's not, I think, what, only two Republicans on the committee or whatever. But uh, I'm glad that they do have like, you know, like a person like a Liz Cheney on there that's working to show people that it's not biased. Uh, and they've uncovered so much stuff and they're continuing to do more. So I think this is a good move. The Democrats don't need to do this everywhere because, you know, some, you know, don't do this in Florida because I feel like Florida's ground is too fertile still. No, you definitely don't want to do that in Florida. I think a place or like Texas. Michigan <laughs> or Texas or, you know, you want to stay away from those deep, deep red states. Like that. <laughs> um, like the, what is it? Where is Christy Noam, the governor of, is it South Dakota or North Dakota? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think it's um, South. Yeah, like they're all sort of in the same camp. You want to stay away from those. But we'll move on um, to our next story here where 
the uh, civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, our man Ben Crump, is being accused by a Florida law enforcement union of injecting race into a case involving sheriff's deputies caught on video slamming a black teen's head into the pavement during a 2019 protest. Now, according to the complaint, they say that Ben Crump has made, quote, reckless and inflammatory comments about the arrest of DeLuca Roll, who was 15 at the time. The, un the union alleges that Crump brought up racial issues where none existed when he, for example, once referred to the encounter as an outrageous brutality on an unarmed black child. Union officials say they want to see they want to see Crump and his co-counsel in the case, Sue Ann Robinson, lose their law license. So uh, they're probably not familiar with what Ben Crump usually does in the cases he takes. But that is, I mean, that's Ben Crump. He's he's Black America's attorney general. But um, Adrian, I think it's interesting. <laughs> they're saying that they should lose their law license um, in this particular case. I think not saying I I agree with the sheriff's deputies in this particular ins, you know instance, but I mean yes, Ben Crump when he's taking these cases is going to inject race into the situation. I mean that's kind of the the perspective he's bringing. Right? He's there <laughs> for that reason. He believes something went on that was racially motivated. <laughs> How else would he be there? <laughs> so, he is, uh, he's the black attorney general. It's, I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> but should he lose his law license over that? I No, I don't think so. I think that's a reach. You guys are just mad that you caught the attention of one Ben Crump. And maybe this is a message to the all the other sheriff deputy, you know, the sheriff departments out there. You know, if you get caught on camera doing something you shouldn't be doing to somebody who's black, you know, Ben Crump might be coming into town. He's going to say some not so nice things about you and what you did to that person. So in this case, I, I, we benefit from the fact that Ben Crump can just bring attention and elevate a situation like this. We would have never heard about had Ben Crump not inserted himself into this story. And so from, and from just a little bit, we've read about it. Maybe there is something to what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things where, you know, we have to remember that this is America, and unfortunately, a lot of the policies um, have race uh, intertwined within them, uh, particularly when you talk about criminal justice and the law enforcement systems. Um, I mean, we know that there's a lot of, um, um, you know, prejudicial, discriminatory, you know, type of treatment within both of those systems. So, you know, we have to have people like a Ben Crump who will call these institutions out and demand more for them. Um, is it sensationalism? Maybe there's an element of what Ben Crump does that's over the top and, um, you know, we don't need everybody, just like the SeaWorld incident, we don't need everybody pointing the finger and saying racist or whatever. It needs to, you know, it needs to be, you know, wielded when it's supposed to be and not just for any and everything. But like Devin said, listeners, you know, Ben's Crump, Ben Crump's role uh, in the past two years since, you know, I feel like his role really took off with, you know, George Floyd. Um, I mean, it's been a great role because he's been able to elevate a lot of black names and black deaths to a level that people would have just ignored and no one would have known about. But because of attorney Ben Crump um, being there at the scene of the crime, um, we know more about what's going on around the country 
uh, and about these injustices. So I don't know, listeners, maybe you should, you know, get a petition to, you know, stop them from trying to strip Ben of his, his license. I don't think they're going to win, but if you want to do something fun to help them out, you know, you can start a petition. We're in a democracy, you know, so. <laughs> but, hey, we're going to give. They aren't the first nor the last ones to wish that Ben Crum didn't have a law license. As I, I think it's more that they don't want him to have one because of all these future things. They you know, they know he's just going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, hell, if he keeps at it, he might even. I don't think he wants to be a judge. He probably likes making money and being in the spotlight too much to ever serve <laughs> as like a federal judge or Supreme yeah. Court judge or whatever. But hey, listeners, we're going to give you a break here. When we come back, we're going to get into our news update section. Got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Some more stuff around abortion, a crazy case involving some cold McDonald's fries, and even some stuff about Detroit's election. So make sure you stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are our foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work toward progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using our handle at Black Agenda Pod. Again, at Black Agenda Pod. Now, time to get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So let's get into our quick updates here, our second segment of the show. So our first two updates, we're going to first start in Kansas, where in overwhelming numbers, Kansas voters struck down a proposed constitutional amendment that would have allowed lawmakers to ban abortion in the state. And this was on Tuesday when this election took place. And so abortion rights supporters in what is traditionally a conservative state prevailed by more than 20 points after most of the votes were counted. And this is according to the Associated Press. This referendum marked the first time voters in the United States cast a ballot on abortion rights since the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in June that overturned the constitutional right to abortion procedures established in the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. Um, Our next quick update, we're going to go up to New York, where the NYPD, this is what Adrian was talking about before the before the break about some cold fries that turned deadly. Um, But it looked like the NYPD on Wednesday charged a man with attempted murder for allegedly shooting a McDonald's employee in the face in a dispute over cold French fries. And so the man's name is Michael Morgan. He's 20. And his girlfriend, Camelia Dunlap, who is 18, went to the fast food restaurant on, on Monday after Morgan's mother told him via FaceTime that she was having an argument with McDonald's employees about the cold french fries. Her son, with his girlfriend in tow, went to the Bedford uh, Stuyvesant uh, McDonald's, and after Morgan arrived, the argument escalated, of course, spilled outside, and that is where he pulled a 9 millimeter handgun out and shot Matthew Webb, who was an employee at the store. He's 23, shot the man in the face over some cold french fries so adrian we've done a couple stories about people calling the police over you know wrong kfc orders and things like that but i just kids coming into class late yeah like we we've seen we've seen some ridiculous things but i mean my god first off you know it's fast food people (laughs) you really have the time to go into a mcdonald's and argue about cold fries just make it at home yourself i'm sorry 
this mom is ridiculous. Like, who calls their son up? Because they, right. you got like, take care of them. <laughs> they over here arguing about about cold. Fr- no, like, who does that? Who calls up some 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 backup to the rest? I'm sorry, listeners. I know we're not in quick hits right now, but I'm just saying, who does that? Calls up backup to a fast food place because your order is cold. I'm just like idiots, like the- <laughs> idiots who have nothing else to do in life. But complain about some cold fries at McDonald's. It's fast. Like, come on. Like, y'all are expecting. You paid two, three, maybe four dollars on that, and you done got this man shot in the face because you complained to your son on some oh, cold some fries. fries. I guarantee you, if you were to just complain to Matthew, he probably would have got you, son, rather than getting his face <laughs> shot off. Like, that's just. Oh, I just. Having worked in fast food, I promise you they're not doing it to you on purpose because they don't know you enough yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm going to make her fries cold out of everybody else. Like, it's just, it is what it's it is. It's never that way. Even, even I've worked in some places in fast food where I've been mad at people and I knew that they were ordering because it was a small town or whatever. And I still made their food right because I would want somebody to make my food right. Even if they know me, they may hate me. If I come to your restaurant, I expect for my food to be right. right. I don't care if you know me or don't like me. I don't expect for no food, or cold fries or nothing. So it's not malicious. It's just stuff happens. Um, so interesting, um, again, you know, who does this, but let's go up to, uh, Detroit, Michigan here where state representative Sherry Thanidor won the 13th congressional democratic primary. And it was interesting because there was nine candidates that were running for this. And now with the, uh, state representative winning, uh, the congressional district is without any black representation, possibly. So um, that's what this whole thing's about. That the author, author, the author of the article is kind of writing about the fact that I think Detroit is about eighty percent black, and with the primary vote here, that's setting up a potential for them to not have any black representation. The only other person would be a black Republican, Martin Vimmings. But the district is heavy, heavy, heavy Democratic, so they're not going to expect to do anything. So could be the first time since 1950 that a black person has not represented the city of Detroit. So it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Um, another thing over here is a South Carolina inmate, Quincy Allen, who killed four people in two states, is off death row after a federal appeals court judge ruled that during sentencing two decades ago, they didn't consider the fact that he had an abusive childhood or that he had mental health issues. The ruling last week means the number of prisoners on South Carolina's death row has been cut nearly in half since the start of 2011 when the state carried out its last execution. So, you know, it's glad that we're starting to do that. I mean, I definitely think that people are a product of their past and, you know, there's reasons why people do certain things. And um, I don't know what to say about Detroit, Devin. You know, I know their city council, uh, not city council, but their school board is all black and all women. Um, so that's something. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty surprising, you know, for a predominantly black city like Detroit to be without uh, black representation. But I mean, we've had this conversation before, just because the person in the seat representing this, this state or county or city is black doesn't necessarily mean they're going to carry out 
you know. Unfortunately, they'll have a minority voice because you know yeah. the personal one. He's an immigrant from India, so I mean, he's a minority who understands some hardships. Yeah, right. I mean, it's you know we'll we'll see how it works out. I wouldn't say it's a good good or bad thing. We'll just have to see whether they're any better at improving the situation of the people um, you know who live in the city. But we'll move on to our last two. Uh, quick updates here. Number one, the NAACP president um, and CEO Derek Johnson wrote a letter to President Biden last week reminding or demanding, excuse me, not reminding him, but demanding that President Biden cancels at least $50,000 in student loans for black borrowers through an executive order. And during Friday's uh, White House press briefing, uh, Press Secretary Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre said Biden is taking the student debt crisis very seriously given the nation's state of inflation and growing concerns over the economy. And so our last quick hit or quick update rather is about a Marine Corps who has, uh, the Marine Corps has its first four star general who happens to be black. And so on Monday, the Senate officially confirmed Lieutenant General Michael Langley as the nation's first black four star Marine general. Langley who will now lead the US troops in Africa as the commander of U.S. Africa Command was widely expected to land a confirmation following a hearing by the Senate Armed Forces Committee in late July. So, Adrian, there's just kind of continuing a trend where we already have Lloyd Austin, um, who I don't let me get this wrong. I think he's Defense Secretary. And then now we have uh, Mr. Lingley here. So nice to see some diversity in our military ranks. But um, nonetheless, this is all good news. And I'm waiting with bated breath as well to see if President Biden is going to cancel some of these student loans. I'm all good with 50. I will take 10,000. But, you know, if President Biden happens to be listening, 50,000 is right up there. But uh, listeners, we'll go ahead and we're going to take our second to last break and get into our quick hits here. So stick with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Black Agenda podcast. If you're enjoying the show, let us know. Before you go, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give a few dollars while you're at it. After all, the Black Agenda podcast is supported by listeners like you. So sit back and listen well as we get back into the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into it with our quick hits. We know that you love it. We love it. It's almost something I would rather do than sometimes delivering the news, just be funny all the time. But um, our first quick hit here, y'all have probably seen this video. I hadn't seen the video, but I'm after reading about it, I'm probably going to go watch it. But this is about uh, NFL Hall of Famer Tara Owens. He had a confrontation with a white woman and captured the incident on camera. According to Owen's live stream on Instagram, he got into a verbal altercation with an unidentified white woman on a bike who didn't like how he was driving in the Broward County, Florida neighborhood where he lives. She accused him of nearly hitting her with his car, which he denied. The woman then claimed to a police officer who arrived on the scene that Owens aggressively got out of his vehicle and approached her. So here's a little bit of the dialogue. Uh, This is Owen saying, you don't yell at me and tell me I almost hit you and I didn't. And he's you know, talking to a police officer. The frantic woman replies, but you didn't have to get out of your fucking car. And sorry, listeners, if you don't like a little bit of profanity. Owens continued, 
you didn't have to talk to me that way either, Karen. You know, you know, Karen's a white women thing. Listeners, hopefully you know that or whatever. Um, the woman screams back, but you're a black man approaching a white woman. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. She actually said that, you know, Devin. Um, it's, it, <laughs> she's basically just, you know, letting you know what she's thinking. She's not hiding her feelings at all. It's, it's all because you're a black man approaching a white woman. And then moments later, she busts, uh, she burst into tears, um, saying he literally came after me. Um, the husband told, you know, told her to go in the house. Basically, the, I think the husband knew what was going on. She was just trying to, again, play the role of Karen. Um, I, I don't, I didn't see how aggressively he got out of his car. I don't know how you get out of your car aggressively. I don't know if you just like sprint out of it, jump out of it, slam the door. Like, I don't know what it means to aggressively get out of your car and come after somebody I don't, like did he have a bat was he i don't know i think he was just black i she said it she she <laughs> encapsulated it right there she let you you're a black man approaching a white woman how dare you black man you know better that's, that's basically right. what she was saying you know, about <laughs> it. you know you don't do that <laughs> so you know i mean it's again she like you said she let you know what she was thinking i'm not saying she's racist or anything like that but I, she seems to be somebody who's a product of a conditioning that a lot of white people have in this country, which is, you know, what they say goes. And when you try to stand against them or, or don't listen, or in this case, he didn't stay in his car like she wanted him to, then they feel as though when they call the police, the police are on their side. Like, how dare you approach a white woman? You were coming after me. They still, there are some people who still feel that low level threat, you know, of a lot of black men um, who have no intentions on in doing anything to them. You know, it's just, he is still a man. He's still able to voice his opinion about what you said about him almost hitting you with his car. Like he can still say that he can raise his voice if he wants to, but you know, it's just because he got out of his car aggressively, <laughs> you know, it's like you're a black man approaching a white woman. You know, better than that is basically what she was saying. Right. You know, you're I mean, not allowed to do that. In so many words, it's like, you know, you're supposed to like, you know, bow down, you know, especially since she feels that he almost hit her with with the car or whatever. I'm just like, maybe that's why she thought he was aggressive because she thought she almost got ran over. So maybe she, she's confused or something. What she probably did is he, she quote unquote almost hit her and she probably said some, some uh, nasty stuff to him as he passed by and then he stopped his car and he got out and then it got real. And then she right. was like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. You know, I, I didn't ask for all that. I wanted to just be nasty to you and you just keep driving. Like a lot of people want to do. And but her no. husband didn't really say much in the whole ordeal other than trying to get her to go back inside. Yeah. That's like I said, he knew what was happening. Was he like, he knew she was right just now. right. Just playing, you know, pulling out one of those old tricks out of the playbook. Right. Karen playbook. <laughs> But we'll move on from that one. We're going to go to, um, we're going to, not France, we're going to go to Twitter. We're not, it's not a place, it's a virtual place, but uh, we're going to go to Twitter where a French scientist has had to apologize after claiming a photo of a piece of Spanish chorizo was actually of Proxima Centauri, which is the closest star to the sun. And on Sunday, so this is what happened. On Sunday, physicist Etienne Klein tweeted a photo 
of a round red object on a black background that he claimed was taken from the James Webb telescope. And he said, quote, in his tweet, this level of detail, dot, 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 a new world is revealed day after day, he wrote in his tweet, uh, which we can't show you the picture, but you should definitely go look at it. Less than an hour later, Klein posted another tweet where he suggested his followers beware of, quote, cognitive biases and noted that, quote, according to contemporary cosmo cosmology, no object belonging to Spanish charcuterie exists anywhere but on Earth. And then a few hours later, <laughs> Mr. Klein admitted that he posted the original sausage star photo, quote, as a form of amusement. And then he tried to turn the prank into a teachable moment saying, quote, let us learn to be wary of arguments from authority. So he trolled a lot of people on Twitter. And if you look at the picture, I mean, it does look like something you would see from NASA coming from, uh, you know, a picture of a galaxy or a star somewhere from one of the telescopes. But it's pretty funny, uh, Adrian, just reading his tweets. He was very serious about it when he first posted that picture. And I doubt he, I think he was just trying to be funny. And then he tried to save face at the end by saying, you know, use this as a moment to question arguments from authority or whatever. But I thought it was still pretty funny. Some of the reactions and, and the tweets to it, you know, were hilarious as well because it doesn't take much to get people riled up on Twitter. <laughs> no, you're right. I'm looking at it to like looking at the picture on Twitter to see. And yeah, it definitely looks like a um, piece of pepperoni or something. <laughs> it's just that's what it looks like to me uh, it, I, and, I, it, and i love the tweet about the um that according to contemporary cosmology no object belonging to spanish charcuterie exists <laughs> anywhere but <laughs> that's right i mean hey he, he is that is that's that's fact though that, that's facts i, I could um <laughs> I'm, I'm sure uh neil uh degrasse tyson would actually probably you know say the same thing too right um that's that's funny i like that at least at least he's able to have some jokes uh some amusement um and use food in a fun new way you know that's what it's all about um, this is a this is an interesting one. Another TikTok. Oh no, you were at Twitter, not TikTok. Um, but I guess to go back to TikTok because we we talked about them earlier. Actually, I just downloaded TikTok. Listeners, um, I haven't set wow. up my account yet, but I I, I, <laughs> I downloaded it just because I need to start promoting some some books. So, um, be on the lookout. You may you may see some some videos from me, but you won't see this from me. This is this is actually about Airbnb. They're having to apologize for a listing that advertised an 1830s slave cabin as a luxury vacation rental. The company came under fire last week after a TikTok video that drew attention to the listing went viral. TikTok user uh, Whiten Yates, a U.S.-based entertainment attorney, put the spotlight on Airbnb's slave cabin listing by sharing screenshots on TikTok. Now, this uh, clip that he showed got nearly three million, uh, got viewed nearly three million times on TikTok. It's called the Panther Burn Cabin. It's an 1830s slave cabin from the extant uh, Panther Burn Plantation to the south of Belmont. Actually, I've been around this place before. Belmont is actually, it's got a really, really, really old hotel there. Makes me want to go check this place out. 
It is uh, says it has also been used as a tenant sharecropper's cabin and a medical office for local farmers and their families to visit the plantation doctor. The company said it would remove this and other listings of slave quarters and would draft policies to address properties that may have been associated with slavery. You know, I don't know how this even gets up on there. Like who in who in Airbnb's like office was like, I'm going to put this slave cabin on anyway. Like I just don't, like I, I've been on their luxury listings. Like they've got like a house and um, you know, like, you know, houses that are like in the size of mountains and trees. I mean, it's some really, really, really special exotic places, but a slave cabin is not exotic or luxurious at all. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, this is, this is where we are now. <laughs> um, I'm sure they, they weren't looking for this. Urban. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so urban, urban living. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, on one hand, I, I definitely definitely understand some of the outrage about listing it. I, I, I wonder, though, in the ad, did it say it was a former slave quarters or, you know, a house? I, I just I'm just trying to figure out how they found it or did they just look up? you know, where it was located and did some digging and saw it used to be a slave house. Um, yeah, I know. I'm like, I, and like again, I, I don't, like, how, like, how does it even get on there in the first place? I'm like, surely they got whoever, whoever put it up there, they got suspended maybe for a week or have to go through some, you know, safety training or tolerance training or something. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. What else they could have done outside of just not posted, I guess. But it's like they, you know, like I'm thinking of the the person who bought the house, renovated it, and is now trying to use it as an Airbnb. I don't think their intentions were to, I don't think the thought ever came about, this is a how you know, this used to be a slave quarters. We can't put this up on Airbnb. Or is it well, just, if, act, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say, at least if you do, you know, have it like, be renovated. I was gonna say yeah. at least renovated. It looks like it's pretty <laughs> um, outdated from the pictures. Yeah, that's I would have to dig more into the listing to see. Um, Cause I'm also like, well, what if they didn't call it a luxury, you know, vacation rental or something like that? Um, would people still have a problem with it? I guess it's just <laughs> I don't know. That's I just stuff like this. I'm like, people go searching for problems sometimes, and it's just like okay. <laughs> I get it, but a lot of outrage, I, right? No, it's one of those things where definitely it was a mistake. So no need to, you know, uh, get three million views over it. Yeah, don't make yourself upset. There's no grief or trauma, like you know. And I saw an Airbnb's response, like we're sorry for any grief or trauma we caused. It's like we're not, oh, yeah. you know, like we can handle. I hate that sometimes. Like we're not all walking around in the state of victimhood and just, you know, every single mention of slavery, we would just lose control of ourselves and can't control our emotions. Like, I, it's like grief and trauma. That's, yeah, that's a like, powerful statement. It's like, we're sorry we hurt you guys' feelings. We see you got a little upset about it. It's like, no, like, we're fine. We just want you to take it down. And like, you know, ah, anyway. Take it down, don't put it back up. There you go. But uh, anyway, we'll move to our next quick hit here where we're going to go back down to Florida. And you can say this is Florida Woman. Uh, it seems like either Florida Man or Florida Woman is featured on the show weekly. 
And this time it's a Florida woman who's drunk. So we can call this drunk Florida woman. So there was a woman with an open open bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey in a bag, and she was arrested for driving a golf cart on Florida's busiest interstate while drunk. And so the 58-year-old woman was arrested Saturday night on the shoulder of I-95, and she is now facing misdemeanor charges of disorderly intoxication in a public place and resisting an officer without violence. And so according to a Florida Highway Patrol report, a semi-truck driver actually spotted her driving the golf cart in the center lane of I-95 in Brevard County, which is the heart of Florida's Space Coast. And so the truck driver used her semi to steer the golf cart driver to the shoulder of the interstate. Once on the shoulder, the truck driver grabbed the keys to the golf cart as the woman tried to drive away. And once the troopers arrived at the scene, the woman started arguing with them and insisted. She just insisted she needed her bag. And inside the bag, they found an open bottle of Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire Whiskey, authorities said. So she's extremely lucky, number one, to be have driven down the center lane of the interstate and did not die or didn't get hit by anybody. Because we just had the case of uh, the, the young quarterback from Pittsburgh, you know, dying on the Florida interstate. And so she got extremely lucky, but not only <laughs> y'all just think it's funny when the troopers got there, she started to argue and she resisted apparently, but without violence, thankfully she didn't have to end up on video and be represented by Ben Crump, but um, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> no, can't wait. You know, this was one of those arguments that you definitely can't interject, you know, race into it's, ah. Drunk, you know, drunk on the freeway in a golf cart. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just, I know people in Florida drive, you know, can, can be kind of reckless. I mean, they drive pretty fast, like uh, to say the least. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, she, she's, she's, she's thankful. She should be thanking this truck driver because I just, I'm just thinking like this truck driver dude or whoever happened to like steer this. Like I assume he was like maybe honking his horn to like get her to pull over. Her horn, yeah. Um, and so then I assume that like I don't know how he got the keys though because my thing is like like she must have stopped long enough for him to park his truck, get down, get out, and everything, and then run over and get the keys. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you just not just drive off after all? Like, why did you stop? You, you see what he was trying to do? Like, maybe she's she was. In, I guess she is drunk and she's drinking uh, basically Fireball. Yeah. Uh, a, a better version of Fireball because it's made by Jack Daniels, but nevertheless, still the same low grade stuff. Um, Dang. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a Fireball fan. I mean, it's, I mean, Jack Daniels is pretty decent. I'm going to go for Crown over Jack, but maybe that's my blackness. Your urban showing. But. <laughs> And so I got just getting ready for Howard, you know, starting <laughs> next week. <laughs> no, my urbanness is Henny. You know, that's 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 real urban. You know, very making a Hennessy. Or no, I tell you what, make it even more urban. You may not know this because this is maybe this is old school, but Cavassier. Oh yeah, that's right. Some oh, Cavassier. Yeah. That's <laughs> past the Cavassier. That's right. Uh, but hey, let's go up to Toronto. This is Toronto, Canada here. Canadian man who found a stick of string cheese in the refrigerator of his new home is now offering the snack up for trade. And he's using a large billboard ad in the middle of downtown Toronto. This guy must have money to just be so wasteful. But his billboard reads, 
for trade one <laughs> one cheese string <laughs> accepting trades for one cheese string marble flavor still in original packing packaging no low balls i know what i have that's what the billboard says <laughs> i mean you have a piece of string cheese um i don't know why i guess cheese string like for some reason my mind just would not let me read that at first i was like i'm used to saying string cheese not cheese string but whatever the guy's name is angel he uh found that like i said in his home uh, he's got experience with reselling stuff, uh, including vehicles, car parts, furniture. He says he's received multiple offers for this piece of cheese. Quote, I think the most anyone has had to offer me was two Persian cats. I feel bad for those cats, for your owner to love you that little that they will give you away for one piece of string cheese. Like... Wow, that's, I mean, that's low blow, whoever you are, Persian owner cat or Persian cat owner. Um, but the other thing, like I said, I don't understand why this guy is using money to, you know, blow on a billboard for this. I mean, I'm all for being humorous, being funny, but I'm not going to put up a big old billboard. I mean, I, I might put out a newspaper ad, social media post or something like that, mm -hmm. but. I mean, you're putting some money and some time into it if you're going to go all the way into a billboard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, how do you gauge that you know what, you know, like when he was like, no low balls, I know what I have. Like, where did you get that from? Like, where did you find the, the ceiling and the floor of what that? Hey, I mean, is? we're in the world of NFTs now, so oh, advice, advice selling stuff. I mean, you can sell the rights to something you can you know sell a copy or a replica of this or that so i mean who's to say he won't get two hundred thousand dollars you know for the or maybe well, i guess he's not taking money because it's for trade so he might mm -hmm. you know somebody might trade him his car for a piece of you know string yeah, cheese well, let me go buy some some put up an ad on facebook and see if somebody will trade me <laughs> New iPhone for some string cheese. Got it. <laughs> so, I mean, it is Toronto, so you know Canadians are very friendly people. So maybe it's different up there. Maybe because this ain't flying down here. We laugh in your face in here in America. <laughs> Take your shit. Tell them go eat that string cheese. Right. I was just oh. thinking that. <laughs> Uh, but that's going to be it, listeners. That is it for our weekly roundup number six. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, we ended on a good note, on a stringy note, I guess, or a cheesy note, rather. Um, hey, that's what your joke was, both of those. So you're good. <laughs> I'm not hating on uh, your joke. I was just saying. I'm just no, no, no. It. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, but we'll go ahead and wrap up the show and do our ending here. So first. You should have already checked out our latest, latest episode. If you haven't, please go ahead and look through our feed. Um, our latest episode is about mass shootings. We have a, a great guest on the show, Dr. John R. Lott from the Crime Prevention uh, Research Center. I hope I said that right. Um, but that's a good conversation about mass shootings. You may learn a few things, so make sure you go listen to that episode. Now, we'll have another episode with the featuring a guest coming up next month. In September, and so we'll be announcing that here pretty soon. So make sure you keep listening to the show to figure out what's coming up next. And um, of course, we are always accepting donations, and your we appreciate your help outside of just listening to the show. And Agent's going to let you know how you can help us out. 
Absolutely. The best thing to do, listeners, is to just scroll down in the timestamps and click the donate tab, and it's going to take you to our Patreon page where you'll be able to give on a monthly basis. It's so so cool and so important that you do that. Um, Devin and I, we pay money to bring these episodes to you each week. Um, we also give a lot of time, and by you giving us some of your money, it lets us know that you value what we're doing with our money and with our time. So we would appreciate your special recognition in a monetary form that you like what we're doing. Again, go in our timestamps to the donate tab or go to our website, patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash blackage in the pie and start giving. The other thing we're highlighting is a charity of the month. Remember, we featured this organization when we had their VP of membership on. It's the National African-American Gun Association. Make sure you go check them out. It's just Naga dot co i believe is their website but just type in noggin hit enter and you'll get there um like i said go check them out they're our charity of the month for august and listeners that is naga that's n-a-a-g-a not don't try to type an i in there or you're going to get in trouble um, but well make sure you follow us on social media at black agenda pod is our handle you can find us on all the social media platforms facebook twitter instagram um, also, make sure you check us out on YouTube as well and visit blackagendapod.com to keep up with us when we are not here bringing you the news or speaking with the guest. And so for me and Adrian, we appreciate you sticking with us. This has been Weekly Roundup number six. and We'll be back next week for Weekly Roundup number seven. So until then, we'll catch you next time.